0: change the game brought to you by the Mackay cutters hi everyone welcome to the change the game podcast i'm mitch cook and i'm very lucky to be joined by bessie hayes bessie is a former athlete who has competed at a very high level in athletics mainly across the 100 200 300 400, nothing too higher than that, Bess. No, not at uh, all. And he's currently working with our Colts Under 21s program in our strength and conditioning field. So, Bess, thank you very much for joining us today and looking forward to our chat.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.
0: All right, let's discuss your sporting journey as an athlete. I'm really interested just talking before like we we haven't got to know each other too well over you've come in and you didn't come in from the start of our Colts program but you came in a little bit later and we haven't had too much time together but I'm really looking forward to this chat because I'm going to get to learn a lot more about you and ask you the hard hitting questions but I really want to learn first. Your journey as an athlete and talk me through some of the disciplines and hard work that helped you prepare for your performances.
1: Very lucky to have grown up here in Mackay and I just played every single sport that I could. Mostly soccer and netball early and then touch, tennis, athletics. I think I had a very short stint with St. Patrick's for AFL, but pretty much played everything and then moved down to the big smoke into Brisbane when I was 18 to become a full-time athlete in track, initially 100 and 200, and then was training transitioning to 400s but a lot of the discipline and hard work I think was probably set by playing that many sports initially you have to turn up for every training session and then turn up to every game as well not for just yourself when you're playing in a team sport whereas my individual stuff had to turn up for myself but all that team work originally as a junior was a lot of kind of that discipline and making sure you show up and then when I moved to Brisbane and met my coach he Was It put a lot of responsibility on my own shoulders because as an individual athlete, I turn up to perform for myself essentially. I had to make sure that I did a lot of the work away from the track as well for my own performance. All my recovery, those kind of processes, didn't have a whole lot of money for massage and physiotherapy, still not a lot of money in track and field. But making sure that I was on top of those processes... As pretty much what prepared me mostly to perform was having to look after myself. Uh, moving out of home, moving completely another half a state away, those things definitely set me up for performance for sure.
0: So what about athletics? Where did the love of athletics come from? Did you start a Little Ass and then progress through and you did you realise you were getting better and better or you said you started in team sports and was athletics like an add-on to help you get better at team sports or...? talk me through that
1: i'm just unfortunately for some people that harsh truth is i'm just a bit genetically gifted and i was just good at running fast so then Did you
0: discover that through school or through sport I was
1: through school yeah just yeah. through school competition i just won everything pretty much <laughs> i remember grade 10 i think i didn't even really like the hurdles but i ran tripped over the second hurdle got up and ran to all the way through ended up coming second by a hair basically so it's just something that i was very good at picking my mum and my dad for yeah Yeah. (laughs) well done me on that point (laughs) yeah
0: congratulations thank you (laughs) yeah so then i've got a few times here that i was able to look up 60 meters you ran 7.77
1: correct my favorite pb
0: yeah your 100 meter pb we've got two here so 2010 and perth 11.84 with a pretty big headwind (laughs)
1: what was was it was it
0: 2.2.2 Um, 0.2
1: of a meter per second. Yeah, so illegal.
0: Illegal, yeah. Yeah. And then so your legal one was 11.98 2012 in Brisbane. That's right. Yeah, very quick. Took me through those events, those races to build up to that, running fast. And then, you know, what happens after that, too.
1: 777, I think that was on the Gold Coast. So, Sally Pearson, I don't think she was in my race, but it was her home track, and Sally was an absolutely incredible starter. That was her strength, and getting the opportunity to race beside Sally when I. The start was one of my strengths as well, but then when you get put beside Sally Pearson, it takes it to another level. Being able to run 777 down there on a hot ish night was. Really cool. And then the 1184, yeah, that one kind of completely took me by surprise. I We're over in Perth. We just decided to go over and do a bit of a training block. I had a former training partner who had moved over there, Alana Boyd for Pole Vault. So we decided to go over there. We stayed with her and just did a training block. The The weather in Perth is usually excellent in summer as well. Nationals was going to be in Perth, so it was just an opportunity to go over there and prepare and I wasn't really expecting to run that and I still remember the time coming up and being pretty devastated initially by the 0.2 metres per second illegal but then realising that perhaps there was more that was possible. And then the 11.98, that was in Brisbane, just I think a regular track meet that Queensland Athletics put on, but still that feeling of looking at the sheet and seeing my first legal sub twelve. Yeah, that's something pretty special. Won't really forget that one, that's no. for sure. Well, yeah.
0: Do you know the statistics of like how many Australian women have got running under who run under, under sub twelve? Is it um, wide or is it a little? I have no idea.
1: Nowadays I actually think our female sprinters have come a lot further and we are seeing more and more running sub twelve and then Running even in the mid 11s, which is really exciting for Australian sprinting as well. And there are also some athletes that are doubling up in other events. I think Na Nang, she's originally a long jumper, who's then making some great strides in 100 meters as well. So that's really exciting to see more female sprinters from Australia running in those mid 11s. And it's exciting to see what the 100 meter relay is going to be. I know that the the record was just broken recently. It stood since I think Sally Pearson, Jasina. Boyd and then another Australian hockey player and one other Australian athlete had the Queensland, they had the record for Australian women's four by 100 metres for, I'm going to say, over 16 years. And it got broken this year by another bunch of mostly Queenslanders. So it's really exciting to see where sprinting's going, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, take me on the journey of the day, of coming to the, the event, your preparation for the sprint, the sprint, and then post. Take us on the journey of that.
1: I am a creature of habit and I get very good at doing really boring things. So my race day was pretty much always exactly the same. I'd be there an hour and a half beforehand, probably start stretching and things at about an hour beforehand. I have call room on different events, depending on what level they are. If you're at nationals and things like that, the call room's more strict. If it's the other ones, it's a kind of call room where you turn up down at the start of the event. But those ones with that mid-range where there was a core room, it wasn't super strict, but needed to be in there at, I think, 20 to 15 minutes before. So I needed to make sure that I had all of my processes done. So starting with the couple of laps with dynamic movement and then going into some drills, just lots of drills over 10, 20, 30 metres, then into... Some tempo runs, so getting a bit of a feel for that speed over a little bit more distance and then finishing with some starts and in and out of blocks about two or three times and then depending on whether I was racing a 1 or a 200 practice, a bit of runs off the bend and a 200 or a start on the bend as well. All those things go down. You can usually feel what you're going to feel like depending on those starts and how it feels flinging off the bend or those first few strides out of the blocks and pretty much all of those runs except for the 1184, I can't. I don't remember what that felt like. It didn't feel like it was going to be what it was. But the 11.98, that was feeling like I felt fresh and I felt ready and I read it and checked the time and that's what it was. And it's just all the hard work seems like it's paid off when you just check a piece of paper if they don't have the electronic timing there. Yeah.
0: So you're on the blocks, your big gun's about to go off. What's going through your head?
1: Nothing, mostly, by design, because the only thing that I want to be waiting for is the sound of the gun. So it's pretty much switching off everything. You'll notice that pretty much all sprinters that come out of a set of blocks will have the exact same process going down. So whether it's a left hand going down first and then a right hand, and then whether they tuck a hair behind their ear or wipe off one palm or something, it's the same process, pretty much hands down and then sink your shoulders and have a bit of a exhale. And then you're just waiting to listen. And that's pretty much the last thing. It's just wait for the gun.
0: Yeah. Is there usually a count Like is there a timing predictor that you can do for the gun or is it just on the
1: no and if you try that usually you're the one that's going to right. false start and now that's a one chance and you're gone yeah. it's that's it so you don't move a muscle and you don't try and predict whatsoever because it can be yeah it's a huge variance depending on the starter
0: okay yeah and then on post race too like what happens post race is you get off the track as quick as you can because the next heat or the next event's about to start and is like recovery available food available or do you get a grandstand ticket and you have to go to the into the grandstand? Or-
1: it's pretty much depending on the level of competition. So if you're at nationals and you're medal winner in the kind of the blue ribbon events, then you will usually go straight to a medal presentation. For other events, it might be delayed. And so you find out that's a little bit of handshaking between each other and your coach or whatever, and then you just move off and wait for your medal ceremony. In Brisbane at the local meets, it's pretty much you finish, you walk over and have a look at your time on the wall and give yourself a bit of a pat on the back and then walk away, that's it. There's nothing... The only any ones that do it really well probably decath and heptathlon because they're competing together for two days they're usually set up in a change room and have ice baths and things and those guys really get to know each other well over two two days which is makes the rest of us a bit jealous but for anybody else you finish and then it's all up to you what you do after that where you if you've got finals later on whether you're going home to chill out if you're going to find your spot under the stadium or in the shade listen to music get food in there's usually a time line that you're going to follow depending on outcome
0: of the race. All right, let's uh, move on to where I want to take the conversation next is about at the moment your performance coach. Where did the passion for that come from and did did you start working within coaching post your athletics career or did you get started while you're were-
1: started while I was in it and it was pretty much complete and I was studying my Bachelor of Human Movement Science and needed to do my prac coaching athletes or coaching anybody. And obviously what made most sense around my training commitments and work and study commitments was to do that at the Queensland Academy of Sport where I was training as well. So fortunately I had those foot indoors and new people that I could sort out my prac. So I started, I did my undergrad prac with the... Australian volleyballers that were on home on camp, working with Jeremy Shepard, who was a coach at the, at the QAS at the time. So they were just doing an off-season block with him, working on their Olympic lifting. I already Olympic lifted and being a track athlete and then somebody that ran very well in a straight line. I was pretty good at technique and cues and coaching. And to be honest, the passion just evolved from there because when you've got 6 foot 7, 6 foot 8 volleyballers who are trying to move their body in space and I already had a bit of a toolbox for cues or different ways of moving and helping them to feel that when you see one of those guys actually get a snatch or a clean and jerk when they haven't previously been able to move their limbs in space that's pretty exciting and then extrapolating that to kids and I was working with baseball development pathways and cricket pathways and Queensland athletics pathways and through High school kids as well with just their kind of their high school sport, if you see them running and it looks a bit like poison to your eyes to start off with but you give them a few cues and all of a sudden they're moving differently and they're more efficient and that's really what it comes down to for me is just seeing them being able to perform better and perform for themselves and that's what I love.
0: The involvement of your career, let's go there. So you just, you talked about the start and how you go into it and then a little bit about you know, the a experience you've got within the junior athlete development space to now working with our Colts team, take us on the journey of your career path.
1: So I started out with my with my prac and those really led into jobs. I was also did one of my other pracs with Brisbane Boys Grammar and their head of development or athletic development there was Sally Bailey, still one of my mentors to this day, just completely evolved that entire department to, for athletic development for all the boys across all of their school sport. I was mostly working with their swimming program initially and then through another connection at the QAS I was ended up doing stuff with St Peter's Western College as well with their swimming but then also th- throughout their athletic development within the school. So with their system and their terms being like rugby in the first term and then rowing and all those kinds of things, just went through all those sports. And while I was also working, I think, three other jobs, one at a swimming pool, one with Loretto College with some girls just wanting to do a bit of strength and conditioning and then with baseball, Queensland and athletics, Queensland with their development stuff and basically put me in contact with Andrew Weller at Cricket Australia, who I got in contact when they had a role for the Australian women's cricket team and I applied and was successful. So 2015, I started with the Australian women's straight into, I think I started six weeks before the Ashes and then was with them for their longest away tour ever, which is about eight weeks at the time. So that was a real crash course, won in cricket, never played, thought I hated the sport, now I'm an absolute tragic. And going away, learning how to do my job on the road in another country, pretty much baptism of fire, but one of the best experiences I've had in my life. And then was with cricket up until... It was February 9th, 2020, when I came home from the Under-19 World Cup and the world shut down for COVID about a month later. So I made a family decision. I was in Canberra at the time. I made the family decision to come back to Mackay and pretty much did a couple of coaching courses in gymnastics. So it's a very fundamental sport. I did it very briefly as a child, and I just love the foundations that it lays for athletic performance. So I'm an intermediate women's artistic gymnastics coach and I was doing that and volunteering for a few different things and still, yeah, through a colleague, that's how I ended up at Colts, a colleague that I saw at the Australian Strength and Conditioning Conference down in Brisbane had previously worked with Craig Kennedy and Craig had spoken to Rhett when Rhett had been in town for something and had mentioned that, they needed some rehab and whether it was worth a conversation, I said, absolutely. My number's here. I've got two boys. I'll see what I can do and just love it. Just absolutely love it. That's where I am now.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, experiences are great and really good to talk about who, and I want to know from your experiences, who do you think does it better? What sport have you been involved in through your coaching that you can see uh, they just know how to operate and... You enjoyed their environment the best, or has there been, I'm guessing from my experiences too, there's been good experiences and bad experiences in different sports and different clubs. Who yeah. does the best?
1: I think everyone will love to bag cricket out and say they're behind the times and they don't know what they're doing. But I think sometimes part of that is because we're a summer sport and a lot of the networking things that happen for strength and conditioning are in our competition season so there's not many cricket people represented all the time at those industry events. So I think they get a bit of a bad rap just because they're not there and they're away working but there's parts of cricket that were very different to the strength and power that I've been involved with other sports but then when you come to know it you understand that there is a incredible difference between a T20 match and a five-day test and preparing players to play across all of those formats. There's going to be things that just aren't exactly the same as playing 80 minutes, bashing somebody else's body against your own pretty much. I think there's things that are done really well in different circumstances and always things that can be changed. I thought that Cricket do really well with their rookies, given there is a lot more money in cricket to set up those rookies and making sure that they're really well rounded, not just within their skills, but then other things they do outside of cricket and being prepared. But then having been involved with the RISE program, Himakai, for the 13s, 14s so far, that, that program is just phenomenal in terms of the broad range that they try and equip kids with. And there's nothing like that in cricket currently, and not at grassroots level. So, I think rugby league has certainly got some grassroots stuff that's really exciting, and then cricket seems to do some of that middle portion perhaps a little bit better than I've seen rugby done so far, but then it's not like I have the exact experience across all of them. So I think there's pros and cons to all of them, which is really fascinating mm. and exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's switch it to the wellbeing and wellbeing support. So I want to know from you as an athlete as well, going through your career, what was the wellbeing support you had around you if you want if you're happy to share any tough times and the things that you did to manage your well-being and then also if you can connect any program or sport that also you've had experience within the wellbeing and your coaching and working with athletes
1: pretty much my well-being support failed I had a really big support with my coach so Anthony Georgia was my coach we were a coach and athlete for a about seven or eight years, I think. And then when I was having a really great season about in 2012 before injury cut that season short, Anthony then got a job with the Hong Kong Institute of Sport and he was leaving. And the other part of that was that his wife was also my best friend. So in one hit, I lost my coach and then I also lost my best friend as well. The Anthony was probably my primary support network, but he also understood as a coach that I was a regional athlete moving down to Brisbane, didn't have a whole bunch of family down there and he put a lot of things in place. So I didn't always have a squad to train with, sometimes had small squads with maybe one or two other training partners, but he also then put me around squads for other types of training for my gym or whatever. He'd put me in a squad environment with other track and field athletes. So I had those guys around me and he'd get other people to come to our sessions and so I'd meet some other athletes and I had that good support network. Where it probably broke down was that how much time I spent at athletics then I was studying or working and the studying I would turn up for lectures but I didn't hang around much because then I was either back to study or back to work so I didn't make a whole bunch of connections there at uni and that's where a lot of people make their cohorts of friends that go around and then working at new market pool in Brisbane. I had plenty of kind of friends there, but we were all really just flitting in and out. Most of them were uni students. So they'd come and do their time while they were at uni and then they'd move on when I was the only one that was there long term. So when Anthony left, that was a pretty big hole and having been a creature of habit, So Anthony was fortunate with his role as the head of strength and conditioning at the academy that he would work early in the morning with his programs and then usually in the afternoon. So he had time to train me in the middle of the day and then for my second session at night time, then we'd train again. And pretty much no other coach in Brisbane, if I was going to transition from Anthony to another coach, could do that middle of the day because they had regular jobs. And my body after seven years was very much nearly switched on to run fast at about 10 a.m. to 12 in the middle of the day and then trying to work as a strength ignition coach in swimming at 4am and then have a block in the middle of the day where I was trying to fill my time then go back to coaching school kids and then go out to the track and train uh, I just really struggled with that and more injuries flared up and eventually had back surgery when I was 25 and was forced into early retirement that back-end well-being support wasn't there and not really through anyone's fault that's just the nature of being in an individual sport that doesn't have a whole bunch of people around it either. But yeah, I crashed and burned in a big way and out the other side now. <laughs> I've a lot happier. My brain doesn't quite make serotonin the way that it should, but I'm supported in every way now and have a lot of, I know, all the things that I need to do and have so many people around me that I know that I can call on and do call on them when I need them. If that's what's come out of crashing and burning is understanding my support network, then that's been a pretty big bonus, really.
0: What are some of the things you needed back then that you didn't have?
1: What Anthony did really well and what I needed as more broadly was... He was someone when our first session together, He, when we met, he said, I'm going to say things to you that you're not going to want to hear, but they're never going to be about you as a person. And you can never put a price on those people in your life that you can just be completely vulnerable and honest with. And when you know that you, if you say something to them, they're going to give you the honest truth back. And if it's something you don't want to hear, it's not about Bessie as a person. It's just the truth. And Those are the type of people that you need to have around you, whether they're professional or not. I still have professionals in my life that are those sounding boards, so I know that I can go in there and things can bounce around in your own head and you think you've looked at them from all different viewpoints, but until you lay them out on the table in front of somebody else, then maybe they can give you another way of looking at things and tell you whether your reality is matching up to what's going on inside your head. So those, I just wish I had those more broad supports outside of, Just my coach, yeah.
0: And what about in the sport? other than your career in athletics what about the sports that you've worked in what are, you, what are being the failures and the successes of the well-being within those sports
1: so cricket really does really well at least I know at our Cricket Australia level so when our National Performance Program guys they'd be about 18 through to 22, 23 when they'd come in for a off-season block up in Brisbane we would have our training week set out and then Wednesday was a day off from training but it wasn't a day off entirely they needed to be either if they were studying when we put things in place to make sure that they were getting enough support to get their study done. Otherwise we'd look at short certificates through TAFE or things like that. Other days we'd organise for them to go do barista courses just and then had people coming in to speak to them as well so financial advisors just making sure that should tomorrow they have a catastrophic leg injury that then puts them out of sport for life that they've got other things going on for them and they're set up and then whether they want to stay in cricket other pathways with coaching they usually did coaching courses or if they wanted to become an umpire they could do those kinds of things so just really well well-rounded, making sure that cricket wasn't the be-all and end-all. That's the probably the program I've had the most involvement with and that I know the most about. I know there's nothing like that in athletics unless you are identified as being talented. What, and
0: What support's there now, if you are identified as one of those?
1: If you go to training camps and things, they'll do a bit more maybe psychology sessions, sports psychology sessions, but probably some mental well-being things that have changed since my time. I feel like I've been re- tired for a lot longer than I'd care to admit now and they've probably (laughs) upskilled a little bit I think we're seeing a lot more of what retirement and early retirement can look like for some players and the really unfortunate situations for those ones I think most sports have taken a bit more of a closer look at how they can support athletes, but there's nothing there for those who compete day in and day out and end up as the ninth fastest and first non-qualifying for nationals year after year. That's why I feel like the RISE program is absolutely incredible in providing those type of supports early with their life fit kind of stuff that they're learning about more than just their sport. They're learning how to be as people in life.
0: So switch to working with our Colts program, under-21s. That group, yeah, just by nature of being that age demographic, can be challenging at times, but also, at majority of the time, really fun to work with. So for you, what's been some surprising elements of that, working first in rugby league, but with that group of Colts guys we've got at the moment, you know, through their physical development, what surprised you and what hasn't surprised you?
1: I think what was surprising, I know that when I... Graduated through St. Pat's, we didn't have strength and conditioning. We didn't have a gym. So getting those that group in and the age range from what I'd previously seen with different levels of players is sometimes they've missed out on some physical development. But when coming in in early March, so pretty much at the start of the season when they've already done all their preseason work, the way those boys could move and the loads that they were moving they're pretty technically sound, which was exciting because you can see where they're going at starting at square one. The other probably the most surprising thing though, that was also exciting, because it's basics, having been an athlete who had to look after their self management and their recovery and I could pretty much you tell me something that's tight or not moving the way it's supposed to I can find you a trigger point or a self-release that'll get you back to some form of function and I have a netting bag that's my bag that comes along to every training session that's just full of mostly cricket balls that I've pilfered along the years but also trigger points and our little contraptions for making sure that you can move how you need to when you get out in the field and I can just someone tells me that they're low back so I'm like all right just go and work on your hips for a few minutes and then just the look of utter confusion about what I mean for them to go and work on their hips and what's a trigger ball. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's surprising that they have absolutely no idea how to look after their own bodies. But then also on the contrast, those things, they're so easy. They're the basics and you can do those in one session and you're immediately making some big change. Yeah, I think it's mostly been surprises, not surprising, they're boys, and it's the same level of conversation that I've had with that kind of age group before, but they are a whole bunch of fun, and if cricket's taught me anything, it's how to have a bunch of banter. Yeah, I love it.
0: How long were you away from Mackay for? 13
1: years, 13 but years. I wasn't counting.
0: What <laughs> What's it like being back?
1: It's weird, really weird. I skipped the boat on the kids' Kind of thing with the same age as everybody I went to school with, which is both awesome for having a whole bunch of friends that know what I'm going through, but then they're also at the sports stage and I'm still at the rugby tots and the daycare phase. But it's really cool to be able to have my boys. Basically, we'd gone from living in an 18th floor apartment in Canberra and being able to kind of look at the playgrounds that we couldn't touch during COVID to then moving up here and pretty much not really knowing what COVID was, being at home on a Saturday morning and then just deciding that maybe we'll go to the beach and five minutes later you're there instead of the hour and a half trek it would be from Canberra or Brisbane to the Gold Coast, those kinds of things. But it's also really cool to see how far it's come from me training on a grass track at the back of Mackay State High to having a artificial track that's incredible. That's all the things you wish you'd had. The new facilities at Harrop, getting international cricket coming here. BB Print, like the stadium, I remember that was just junior rugby league fields with the, watching the Souths and Brothers grand final about 2006 for the under 17 boys or whatever they were then. To what it is now, like just seeing all of the, all of the change, that's awesome. Now you wouldn't think about leaving kai for sport until you get to a really pointy end and somebody picks you up but otherwise everything's here including the coaches and people around so that's been really cool
0: and where do you want to end up what's your future goals and ambitions within your current work but also life
1: one thing i learned a lot out of one crashing and burning and then being thrown into cricket so quickly is adaptability and pretty much the only thing that I can control is myself continuing to move forward and know that stimulating my brain is something that I just I need for my mental health and I'm just always looking for new things to learn and through COVID and then moving back to Mackay with my young boys initially which kind of didn't I couldn't do as much work as I'd want to I was doing a lot more learning opportunities so some mentorships extra well gymnastics accreditations always those moving forward things and then most of the time I find out that I end up with a lot of being around the people that I need so the kind of the who comes first and then basically where I end up and the what comes after that and so I just travel along my path knowing that things can change pretty much the next day and if it's if it's the right opportunities, then they're just brilliant and I take them as they come, knowing that especially if you're going to be in elite sport, the tomorrows are never guaranteed. So as long as I can just control myself moving forwards. And then being in sport for me, is it's just twofold, is that sport is an incredible passion and it's so much fun for a lot of people, but then not only your own self-performance, cricket means, oh, cricket, sport means a lot for for people and community and it gives back. And when you have those things taken away with COVID and stuff like that, you really notice when it's missing. So being able to provide sport for performance for individual and then as a community exercise, those things I just love to be around and it makes it fits my value system and it's just makes life fun.
0: Sure does. Bess, I think I've definitely learned a lot more about you and your career to date. So I think from us at the Cutters, we're very lucky to have someone like you part of the club and yeah, thank you for all the work you are doing and continue to do and see you at training
1: (laughs) Thank you, see you there
0: Change the Game Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters